Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on May 22, 2022. Today, in our study of the Gospel of Luke, we come to the greatest man other than Jesus himself in the Bible. Now, that might sound a little bit like hyperbole, but you will see my point when I read what Jesus had to say about this man. And in addition to that, he is one of my personal heroes. I'm speaking of John the Baptist. And Luke tells us, if you remember and you've been with us, he tells us a lot about John the Baptist. He begins the Gospel of Luke with the angel Gabriel announcing the conception of John. We meet his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. He tells us of John meeting Jesus while still in their mother's wombs. He tells of the prophecies made about John by his father, Zechariah. He gives us samples of his strong preaching that led him to prison. And today, in a little bit of a shift, we're reading about John on a day that he was discouraged and doubting. Now, there'll only be one more mention of John in the Gospel of Luke, and that would be in a couple of chapters, and that's when we learned that Herod had John the Baptist beheaded. Like Jesus, John was a great man who made his mark for God, and then he died a very tragic death. So we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 7, verse 18. Remember... During this time period, John was in prison. He had been in prison for quite some time. In that day, as you might imagine, prisoner rights didn't really exist. So we can assume that he had been treated very, very poorly. And he was discouraged and frustrated. But I want you to notice how he handled that discouragement, how he handled that frustration, how he dealt with the doubt that he had. I want you to listen to Jesus defend him and not rebuke him. And I want you to notice how Jesus used the situation to teach us something. So let's stand together. Luke chapter 7 verses 18 through 35. And this is how it reads. This is right after two powerful miracles. John's disciples told him about all these things. And calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. 
This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus went on to say, To what can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. You may be seated. There's a lot in that passage. But first, I want you to focus on John's doubt and discouragement. Now, understand about John the Baptist. He had enjoyed great success. He began preaching maybe six months or so before um, Jesus, and people flocked to hear him by the thousands. Thousands were baptized as a result of his preaching. Many thought he himself was the Messiah. And at the very height of his fame, his blunt preaching and his calling out the sexual sin of the king, by the way, that's something we only do today to leaders of the other party. But John was blunt enough to, to, to call out the sin of the leaders that led to his arrest, and he ended up in prison. He would never get out. He probably knew that. And so he grew discouraged, and this great man of faith began to doubt, finally sending two of his faithful disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? I mean, think of what he was asking. Was I wrong when I declared you to be the Messiah? Because this is not how I envision things working out. I want to tell you today, and I want you to listen carefully, because I want to tell you some things about doubt and discouragement that all of us need to know. And the first is this. Doubt and discouragement are not sins. They occur. We live in a broken world. We are imperfect people. We don't know everything. We're not always 100% right. And I want you to notice that Jesus did not in any way, shape, or form rebuke John. He didn't call him to repentance. As a matter of fact, later he praised him. Among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. So all of us need to learn that while doubt and discouragement are not sins, we do need to learn how to deal with them because they're going to hit us at some points in our life especially in tough times. So listen, if you've had some doubts, you're having some doubts, don't crucify yourself. Don't carry guilt because you are discouraged. Don't put yourself down if you're dealing with depression. 
John was only one of many thousands and millions of believers who dealt with doubt, discouragement, maybe even depression. And Jesus understood him and loved him just as he does you if you're dealing with doubt and discouragement and depression. I want to tell you the story of another one of my heroes. You hear me quote him from time to time. Charles Spurgeon was known as the Prince of Preachers. You probably have heard his name. But what you may not know is that Charles Spurgeon fought a lifelong battle with depression. Outwardly, he was a famous and powerful preacher full of joy and life and manliness. Inwardly, his life was full of both physical and mental pain. And he could trace it back to something that happened at age 22. By age 22, he was already the pastor of a very large church in what was then the largest city in the world, London. His church had grown so rapidly that they essentially had to move out of the building and <coughs> move into a music hall so thousands of people could attend in London on a sunny morning. Understand that this was not the norm for most of Christian history because no loudspeakers, no ability to project churches were, were limited by the voice of the preacher. But he had a very powerful voice and was a great preacher. And so thousands would come and they packed out this music hall. One Sunday, some pranksters, pranksters in church in the midst of the service with the building packed, yelled, fire! In the panic, seven people were killed and 28 people were injured. And he was never the same. His wife, Susanna, wrote, my beloved anguish was so deep and violent that reason seemed to totter in his throne. And we sometimes feared that he would never preach again. By the age of 33, physical pain became a constant in his life. He suffered from a painful kidney disease, from rheumatism, and from gout. His pain was serious enough that for the rest of his life, he would miss one Sunday out of every three. Overwork and stress. And then as often happens among God's people, guilt about the stress. I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be feeling that. Deepened his depression. He was jumped on by critics. The church is not always as compassionate as we should be. He was jumped on by his critics who claimed that his pain and his depression were judgments from God. You only remember the Prince of Preachers part. You may not have known that story. But God's people often go through times of doubt and discouragement and depression. It's not a judgment from God. It's not a sin. So if you're having doubts or depression or discouragement, 
I want you to remember that God loves you and does not condemn you as a result. It's part of the fallen human condition that we all deal with. Our minds are not perfect. Our bodies are not perfect. Jesus values you as a person and as a disciple, even if you suffer from doubts and discouragement. That was true for John the Baptist. That was true for Charles Spurgeon. And if I had time, I could take you through the stories of dozens, maybe even hundreds of great Christian people, and you don't know what they struggled with behind the scenes. But it is helpful to know what do you do when doubt and discouragement hit you? What do you do when you're discouraged? What do you do when you have a doubt? I want you to see two things that John did correctly here. He dealt with these issues by asking God and by listening to God. You have doubts, take them to God. The worst thing you can do, now understand this, because sometimes this is what we do in the church. The worst thing that you can do if you have doubts or discouragement is to bottle things up, put on a smile, and pretend that all is well with you and your faith. That's a recipe for doubts getting worse, discouragement getting deeper, faith falling away, and depression. Now, I know it's easy to bottle them up in the church because, as I mentioned already, sometimes the church is not as compassionate as we should be. And so we feel like, I got to put on the show. I got to put on the smile. I got to raise my hands. I got to act like I'm excited about God. Don't have a problem. Don't have an issue. Not discouraged. Don't have any doubts. I got to act like I'm perfect. And I'm telling you, that's the absolute worst thing that you can do. Take them to God. Don't worry about the church. We'll come around. Because we're trying hard to learn compassion for all people. So take your doubts and discouragements and depressions to God. If you're fighting depression, tell him. If you have some doubts, talk to him. He cares and he answers. John was 100% honest with Jesus. And think of the level of doubt. I'm not sure you're the Messiah we were looking for. Should I keep looking? And I want you to notice that Jesus did not rebuke him. He did not put him down. He did not tell him to shut up and cheer up. He answered him. He didn't judge. He didn't rebuke. He gave an answer. Tell John, the blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, think, think through what he's saying. I, I know the world, and maybe even you, John, are expecting me to be what the world thinks a Messiah should be, a political guy, a military guy. Maybe you think I should come and storm the prison and, and get you out. But don't be deceived. Remember what the Bible says. I give sight to the blind, legs to the lame, healing to the sick, ears to the deaf, life to the dead, and I proclaim God's news to the poor. John asked, and he got an answer. Now, we, we don't know, because there's no more mention of how John took the answer. 
But I think John knew enough of the word and enough of the heart of God and enough of what Jesus was saying that he was satisfied. You're right. That's exactly what the Old Testament says, that the Messiah would be. You are the one, and you have confirmed it to me. Listen, sometimes it takes a while. We don't always get an answer like that. At least, I don't. My doubts and answers and discouragements aren't always answered immediately. But God never ignores the honest question of people who love him. So, do pastors ever have doubts? No, because we're perfect. I'm only worried about the people in the pew. No. Do we ever get discouraged? Absolutely. And so we need to do the same thing that John did. Take our doubts and discouragements and depressions to God and wait for an answer. I can remember the most honest prayer. I shared this with our Wednesday night Bible study group. I can remember the most honest prayer I've ever heard. Now think about this. Can, can you remember the prayers from about 45 years ago? This one made an impact on me. It was a rough night in our Wednesday night youth group. Our youth pastor, they're not perfect either, by the way. Our youth pastor was having a rough night. I mean, we weren't really listening. We were just kind of waiting for him to get to the amen so we could go out into the church parking lot and play basketball and football because that's what we did when the old people stood around talking. And we were just waiting for it to be over. He knew he wasn't connecting. We didn't care. Just let it be over. Let us out. And at the end of the meeting, this frustrated and discouraged youth pastor closed with a prayer, a loud prayer, and one that I can still remember. Not word for word, but I remember the impact. His name was Johan, and he said, okay, let's pray. God, are you there? Because some days it doesn't seem like it. And if you're out there, are you in here? Because it didn't seem like it. I had prayed for tonight, and the only thing that happened is they're bored and I'm frustrated. Next time, if you're real, could you show up? Amen. And he walked out. That was honest doubt, and discouragement. But he did the right thing with it. He didn't hide it. He brought it to God. And by the way, God answered that prayer because out of that youth group, which wasn't a very large one, out of that youth group, apparently some of it was getting through. Out of that youth group, five preachers came out in addition to a very beautiful preacher's wife. God was at work. He didn't know it. He didn't see it. He didn't feel it. But he brought his 
honesty to God in the most powerful way I can remember. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. You don't have to come to church and pretend like all is okay because it's not always okay. Just tell God that. And you can tell us. And if we don't understand, it's our problem, not yours. Because we should have a compassionate heart just exactly like Jesus. So deal with your doubts and your discouragements and even your depressions by being honest with God. And then listening to Him. And just as in the case of that youth group, sometimes it takes years to get the whole answer. And I've lost total contact with Johan. don't have a, an idea or a clue as to where he is. But I, I'd like to say, you know, something got through that you were teaching us. Because now we're the ones up here preaching the gospel. And there's deacons and there's elders and, 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 and all kinds of church leaders that came out of that youth group. God was at work. And then I want you to hear Jesus' defense of John. Because after John's disciples went back, Jesus defended John in a way that you hardly ever hear in the Bible. Maybe John heard about it later. I hope that he did. But this is incredible praise coming from Jesus. And it tells us what he thought about John the Baptist, despite the fact that he had doubts and discouragements and maybe even depression. Jesus said, listen, John is a prophet who spoke truth. Did you go out into the desert? Did you go out into the wilderness to see a twig that was whipped by the wind saying this one time and this another time? Did you go to see a rich man in fine clothes? No. You went to see a man who proclaimed God's truth. He's often called a voice in the desert, but he's a true voice in the desert. He wasn't swayed by the latest political or cultural issue. He spoke from God. And by the way, that's what we need today. We need preachers who will speak from God. We have enough preachers preaching politics. We have enough people interpreting culture. We have enough bloggers promoting laws and opinions. We need men who will preach God's truth focused on the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be that voice. There's a thousand things we want to share our opinions about. Let's focus on the truth like John. Let's preach Jesus. And maybe someday Jesus will defend us if we need it. He also went on to say about John that he was my forerunner. He was more than a prophet. He was the one who came to prepare the world for me. And he did that. And he did it well. And now that I am here, his work is done. I think even John understood this because in John 3.30, John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. His ministry was short, a year and a half, two years, maybe two and a half at the top end, but he did his job. And because of this, Jesus said he was the greatest of the prophets. No man on this earth is greater than John. And listen, that's incredible praise coming from Jesus. Those in my kingdom will someday be greater because then they will be perfect. But on this earth, John is at the very top of my list. A man with doubts and discouragements and depression. So when you have those, don't put yourself down. Don't carry the guilt. Don't slap yourself upside of the head. I wish I could be like these great men and women of the faith. 
great men and women of the faith were imperfect human beings like you and I. Just learn to take your issues to Jesus and listen to his response. And then he gave some lessons for all of us. After talking with John and after defending John, then Jesus gives two very simple lessons for us that I want to pass on to you. I've simplified them so we can all understand. Maybe I've simplified them so I can understand because these are challenging verses. But the lessons are real and they're important. And the first one is don't play games. Don't be like children in the marketplace playing silly games. In the original language, by the way, this little ditty that Jesus said was well known and parallel in both rhythm and rhyme. We played the flute, but you didn't dance. We played a dirge, and you didn't cry. Y'all are just like children in the marketplace playing simple, silly children's games. And, by the way, as adults, you're being every bit as critical. John came neither eating nor drinking wine, and you called him demonic. I came doing both, and you call me a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Quit playing games, quit being so critical, and decide exactly what you believe. I mean, we do that. We can become so critical. that we missed the big point. Well, I'm not going to go to church because there's a hypocrite. I don't like the way that church sings. I don't like that preacher. I don't like their pews. I don't like orange carpet. Amen. We're working on that. We're working on that. We can be so critical and point fingers that we miss the truth. There is a God. He's real. He loves me. He came down from heaven to earth to die for me. He died on the sins for my cross. And all who believe in him will be given a life worth living here on earth. An eternal life in the future that will never end all through Jesus. Decide what you believe because that's the heart of it. And we can pick the tiny parts apart bit by bit like they did, well, John, well, Jesus. What's the truth? So part of the message here was quit playing games and decide what you believe in, who you are. <coughs> and then ask yourself if you really are God's children. Because Jesus taught, be my children. Wisdom is proved right by our children. There's an old saying that I'm, I'm sure you've heard, you know, when you, when, when you see a, a son who looks very much like the father or you see a daughter who acts very much like the mother. You remember this old saying, the apple doesn't far, fall too far from the tree. Children look like their parents and good children of good parents act like their parents. But here's the question for you. Is the gospel proved right by your actions? If God is the Father, how close to the tree did the apple fall? Because we need to be like Jesus. We need to live like him, love like him, act like him, speak like him, and quit making excuses for it.
And if you don't look at all like Jesus, then go back to the first thing he said. You're just playing games. You're going to church, you're acting religious. But it's not real. So decide what you believe. I want to close with two questions. One for you to ask and one for you to answer. The question for you to ask is, I want you to to step out of typical religious jargon and ask Jesus an honest question and look for an answer. Maybe you're having doubts. God, are you really there? Don't just mull that over in your mind. Ask God. God, this doesn't seem to be working for me like it does for others. How come? That's an honest question. Ask God that. Sometimes I have doubts, God. Is there something wrong with me? Ask God that question. Ask God the honest questions that are based on the reality. Don't just act like a Christian. Speak from your heart. Some of you got questions about being a parent, being a grandparent. God, I tried my best, and right now it doesn't seem like my children are following you. How come? What can I do about that? Don't just smile and say, yeah, everything's okay. Because as parents, we know when our children aren't okay, we're not okay. And so talk to God about it. We try so hard sometimes to look like a Christian. But we only get there when we're totally and completely 100% honest with God. Do I have doubts and discouragements? Often. I think maybe some preachers try too hard to look perfect and saintly, but I've been here too long. You all know me too well for me to pretend. I'm not perfect. I'm not saintly. I have issues at times. And I need to learn to listen to my own preaching and take them to God and wait for an answer. So take your doubts and discouragements and frustrations and pains and hurts to God. Jesus knows them already. He cares deeply about you. He's not going to rebuke you. He's not going to put you down. He alone has the power and the love to answer the questions. So take them to him. And then ask yourself the hard question about yourself. Do you truly look like Jesus? I mentioned a couple times that the church seems to have a problem with compassion. We judge people far more often than we show them love. That's because that apple has fallen a little too far from the tree. We need to be more like Jesus, more like God. And you, and you alone, because we're so good at putting on the facade, you and you alone know how much you look, live, act, love, think, speak like Jesus. So do some hard work of evaluation. Don't worry about putting on the show. Just be real. We all have room for improvement. We all have sins that need to be dealt with. We all have doubts that need to be answered. We all have discouragements that we carry. Take them to God and let God do the work that needs to be done.
I'm glad that Luke showed us, hey, here's maybe the greatest man who ever lived. He wasn't perfect, and neither on we. But we did, he did the right thing. He took his issues to God, and he let Jesus answer them. I'm just encouraging you to do that today. Don't pretend. Take your issues to God. You have them. I have them. We all do. And then listen for God's answer. Now, if you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, we don't expect you to be perfect. We know you're not. We're all sinners. But if you're ready to follow Jesus, we'd be happy to help you. And we're going to have what we call an invitation, a time in which you can come forward. Maybe you don't want to talk to anybody about what's going on in your heart and mind. That's fine. Sometimes for me, even when you all aren't in here, I'll come in here and kneel at the altar and pray. Maybe you want to do that and just talk to God. God, I've got this doubt. I've got this discouragement. I've got this frustration. I've got this issue. I've got this pain. I've got this problem. And I need help. Take it to God. He will help you. Let's stand together and let's pray. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.